I'm Dave Monaco, Alan Meyer Family Head of School at Parish Episcopal School. Welcome to From My Angle. Hi everybody, welcome back for another edition of From My Angle. I'm excited to be at the Grant Halliburton Foundation today with the president of the foundation, Anita Halliburton. We've got exciting news uh, to share with you today in more depth about our partnership called Centered. But before we get into that, we're eager to share with you the story of this terrific foundation, the work they're doing for young adolescents here in the community, talk about our respective perspectives on what it's like to educate adolescents today and to deal with their mental wellness, and then we'll go into some detail on the Centered Partnership. So yeah, look forward to this uh, um, edition of the From My Angle uh, video news, and also check out the podcast, which we'll be posting soon. Benita, welcome to From My Angle. Thank I'm you. so glad to uh, be here with you and to get to see the offices and some of my uh, friends that work with you who I have past association with from uh, Contact, right. the organization here in town. We're so excited about the Centered Partnership and uh, look forward to getting into some details about that as we move into the uh, edition here. Mm -hmm. But let's first uh, tell everybody about the story of the Grant Halliburton Foundation. Just uh, so amazed to walk around your office here and see some of Grant's uh, artwork that was uh, a new exposure to me about uh, who he was, but why don't you tell us a little bit about the uh, Grant Halbert Foundation and about Grant before we get started. Sure, well, you know, not too many years ago I was the parent of a struggling teen and uh, my son Grant Halliburton had uh, suffered from just chronic depression throughout his teenage years, but ended up with bipolar disorder and taking his own life at the age of 19. Mm -hmm. Um, as a family, we were so blindsided by that turn of events mm -hmm. uh, because we'd been doing all we knew to do at the time to uh, take care of his mental health. Right. And we were just left instantly with this thought that if we, if our family couldn't figure this out, doing everything we knew to do, mm -hmm. there must be other families, there must be some gaps in the mental health system or in the right. way things work out there. And, and we were right. Uh, so we started an organization that's focused solely on youth mental health and suicide prevention. And uh, we really focus on education because that's the, that's the beginning of everything. Yep. Um, and erasing the stigma, suicide prevention, encouraging people through peer support groups. And um, uh, but, but education is the cornerstone of what we do. Yeah, it's terrific, and uh, certainly have uh, had a rapid uh, rapid scale uh, out in terms of your growth. So take us from the uh, day one trajectory that year you started to mm -hmm. a little bit of uh, your, your present uh, size and scope and sure. uh, where you are today. Well, that was 2006, right. so it has been 12 years right. since we started this, and. Uh, you know, not far into it, we figured that we could do more together with others in the community than we could do on our own. Mm -hmm. And so we started a coalition, and through the years, it has, has really flourished and works on a number of initiatives, <coughs> like uh, helping to start a, um, uh, a website called HereForTexas.com that has over 600 North Texas mental health providers in it. It's a searchable database mm -hmm. so that parents, teachers, school staff, uh, just a, a lot of people who are looking to connect with mental health resources can go on there and put in filters and find exactly what they need yep. and make inf informed decisions about, about mental health. For yeah, them. so you've got that web presence and then you've mm -hmm. got a team that goes out into schools and right. does programming across the school function. Right. You've got support groups for uh, for parents uh, like mm -hmm. yourself who are uh, confronting the challenge of working with a, with, a, with a child who is struggling with mental illness. So mm -hmm. really in that short uh, period of uh, just over a decade, uh, the program has really grown in richness. And you're serving primarily Texas 
at this point, yes, correct? Yes, I mean, You're pretty committed to this mm -hmm. to, to this mm -hmm. to this region. So, uh, interestingly enough, uh, parish parish day parish Episcopal uh, has a, a deep connection with Halliburton, though the foundation started uh, after the formation of Parish Episcopal out of Parish Day. Many in our community uh, who uh, were part of the Parish Day community uh, have gotten uh, uh, very involved in supporting your work. So very true. Uh, in terms very of understanding true. really where the partnership between uh, the foundation and Parish came to be, we have many to tip our hat to within the Parish community who've we been do. so committed to your work uh, mm -hmm. as well. True. So let's talk a little bit about adolescence today. I've got my perspectives from the perch on which I sit uh, in in education, you've got yours as uh, both a parent and now a professional working in the space of serving mm -hmm. uh, young people. And when you uh, take a, kind of a 30,000 foot view down on uh, what you see in a young adolescence today, the pressures and stressors that they're dealing with, uh, what is manifesting in their behavior as a, as a result of those stressors and pressures, what are you, what are you seeing out there? Well, exactly what you said. We see a lot of stress. We see a lot of depression. Uh, we see a lot of suicidal behavior that is just is just ramping up tremendously over the last few years. Um, stress is uh, probably it's the number one trigger for depression. Depression is the leading underlying cause of, that would lead a person to think about suicide. So when we see that going on, um, it's you know something we need to stop and take seriously. Uh, suicide is now the third leading cause of death for 10 to 14 year olds. Mm -hmm. That's shocking, yeah. and the second leading cause of death for 15 to 24 year olds. Yeah. And so we've got a lot of work to do there. But when we look at at students, what we're seeing a lot of is their lives are just filled with stress. Mm -hmm. And stress is like the beginning of the, of the continuum here. Mm -hmm. If we don't deal with stress, then you know it can worsen like any med medical condition, and depression is untreated. It can lead to suicidal behaviors. Right. So, but we see kids who are overloaded, you know, the, just the pressures of being a teenager, the yep. normal things like uh, experiencing heartbreak and disappointment and failure and loss and all those things for the first time. Right. That's really stressful for a young person. Sure. Um, and then we see them uh, pressured to achieve more, to do more, be more, mm -hmm. and just that kind of starting to snowball and they end up with jam-packed schedules right. and little time to just relax, reflect, reboot, and, and, and rejuvenate, which is so critical to mental and emotional health. And yeah. I, I think we can definitely explore some of the what I would call mm -hmm. amplifiers, right? Because mm -hmm. I think I think school is an amplifier, right? And we can talk about that from my perch. I think social media is an amplifier. You've mm -hmm. talked just about adolescent angst, which has been there for a long time, right? Mm -hmm. Which mm -hmm. is certainly an amplifier. Uh, I'm curious though, maybe before we dig into those, we know that certain uh, mental illnesses, for example, bipolar and depression, uh, can have genetic roots and can can be with an individual from from their birth. And then you've mentioned uh, some of these amplifiers that uh, are more specific to developmental phases of life. When you sort of assess the landscape of young people today, can, can, you, can you ascertain how much of this is, uh, is um, uh, sort of gen genetically seeded um, mental challenge and illness for these uh, individuals versus how much is sort of, uh, what I would call nurture, uh, mm -hmm. nurture bound or, or nurture caused? Well, it's very multifaceted for yeah. sure. Like diabetes or high blood pressure, it certainly has a genetic component. And what we teach young people is if that's in your family, like anything else, just be aware of it and watch out for symptoms of, of that illness creeping up in your life. Yeah. But um, it certainly can be environmental. And we see a lot of things that come from that stress we talked about um, can, can mount up and cause depression. So it can be an environmental things. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the online, social media, yep. media in general, 
uh, a lot of things can are really closing in our kids, and and we, and we even know this as adults. Stress can make you sick, right? And so we have to, we have to watch out for that. Yeah. So really, you don't even have to be predisposed necessarily no, to a mental not. illness to have these environmental or nurture-based factors really start to pull you in a direction of, of, and, of unhealth. And I actually think that the environmental factors. I don't have anything to back <coughs> this up. I feel like the environmental factors are playing a bigger part these days than genetic factors in, in right. mental health among our, our young people. Yeah. So let's dig into those a little bit because I think from my perspective and educator now approaching you know three decades in the in the business and, and watching the trajectory of, of um, where young people have gone today I, I, I see all those amplifiers uh, playing a role I think one is is often um, uh, under under um, uh, represented or are undersold in the in certainly the broader media landscape uh, right now social media is getting a predominant uh, amount of the attention pieces recently in the New York Times uh, uh, really detailing uh, what social media is doing to create uh, essentially this culture of comparison mm -hmm. and this and this proxy existence for kids. In mm -hmm. other words, every uh, post from a uh, from a peer, right, is like a mirror shining back on their inadequacy or or at least presumed inadequacy. And so it's really ratcheted up this twenty four seven sense of of uh, of stress or pressure that you refer to. And we get that, and I understand that. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, what I think has happened over the last uh, fifteen years or so, it's actually probably traceable and its earliest origins to the early 1980s when the U.S. News and Report first published its uh, college ranking list uh, is this sort of increased uh, uh, focus on outcome and achievement. And you mentioned that, right? We're an achievement-focused uh, uh, society. But what I think it's done is create learning environments which have become so outcome-based and so performance-based. Schools are rated and ranked, right? Teachers are rated and ranked on how their schools do on those tests that rank and rate schools. Uh, and students, uh, by osmosis, are, are steeped in this environment, which says, you know, we are essentially the soul of what we accomplish. Mm -hmm. Everything else that's internal to us that might be good, worthy, and valid uh, is uh, secondary uh, to these ratings and rankings and sort of where I end up. And so, mm -hmm. uh, to me, I think the education model itself is a major amplifier right. of this stress, which goes at this point somewhat undersold in, in the conversation. Uh, totally appropriate around mm -hmm. social or social media. Mm -hmm. What's your feeling on the social media element as you look at uh, that as an amplifier for uh, the kind of um, health of our young people today? Well, there's no question that it is a new thing that uh, in terms of generational that many, many adults did not certainly have to deal with that. And it's kind of invisible. So there's a lot great about social media. There's uh, great about online in general for young people. It's a great resource, but um, it also carries a lot of harmful effects. And, I, and what we like to try to talk to parents about is not letting that be invisible because that's the danger. There's so many places they end up they didn't intend to go, but they're, they're really not healthy mentally, emotionally, or in any way for young people. Yep. Um, I heard someone uh, say one time that if you don't know where your child is going online, if you don't check that and you don't know who their friends are, it's the same as in the real world as if you dropped your teenager off at a mall at 1 a.m. with all the lights out and right. a thousand strangers. Yep. And that's, and I don't think we get that. I right. think we sort of seal ourselves off from what uh, the younger generation is doing and really can't afford to do that. It's not good. It can be harmful for their emotional education, I mean mental health. Yeah, it's a lot different than sneaking the phone, you know, the, the cord the cord Stretching phone into, the cord our, along into our rooms, yeah. you know, to have, yeah. the, to have the late night conversation that all mom and dad had to do is pick up the other line to, right. you know, to, to tell you to, to knock it exactly. off. You know, I think at Parrish, 
at least through my philosophy, what I what I see is the need for a broader reset. You know, we we framed it, reimagined. Like we really feel that we are an amazing school. We produce excellent young people, but we exist in an architecture that is, from education standpoint, nearly a century old, mm-hmm. right? And that architecture today, with these new pressures around outcome and achievement, um, is rigid, standardized, uniform. Right? It doesn't really speak to the individual and it doesn't speak to flexibility. Right? And so for us, we're really trying hard to reimagine how we deliver content, how we utilize time, you know, how we explore partnerships uh, to enrich the experiences of our kids. So that, as I like to say, you know, our 18-year-olds come to school as excited as our 8-year-olds do. Mm-hmm. Right? There's, a, there's that pivot point around middle school all of a sudden where uh, school becomes a job and it's part of the transaction of getting older mm-hmm. and it loses the joy of coming to school. Like We're, we're curious as to... How to, how to solve that problem, mm-hmm. right? And when you, um, uh, Kevin Hall, who's your chief operating officer and a parish parent alum came to us and said, you know, we think there's potential for a partnership here uh, and, and spoke to the work that you were trying to do, slowing this, you know, slowing this pressure pot, uh, you know, boil that our kids and parents are in, uh, we, that resonated with us mm-hmm. because we're trying to do the same thing on the academic side. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about Centered. I mean, we've, we've um, exposed it a little bit to our community, but when you think about a partnership with a school, uh, what was it that was alluring to you as an organization uh, in thinking about merging your services for, for parents and for young people and for educators uh, with an institution like Parish? Mm-hmm. Well, we're very excited about that mm-hmm. because it, it, it is an alignment of something we both believe. believe We're like two trains that are coming together here, and there right. is an intersection of these two things. We know that um, education and mental health are intertwined, and when you try to separate them, mm-hmm. one or the other is going to suffer, the mental health or the educational success. So that's what we love about this. And what you were talking about is that we, we treat education as a one-size-fits-all. Right. Everybody fit into this mold and mm-hmm. let's just march forward like this. And it yep. doesn't allow for the different emotional and mental makeup and, and capacities uh, to deal with the same amount of stress mm-hmm. or even to be aiming for the same sort of achievement. Mm-hmm. Um, so this partnership is, I, I think, is going to do something really important, and that is to begin to treat mental and emotional health the same way we treat and regard physical health. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of emphasis on physical health. Mm-hmm. We, we think about that separately from you know, a person's achievements and so forth, but um, we have to think about how mental health and social health fit into the, the curriculum uh, because that's where our kids are all day, right. and, um, and you know, just making that making that fit. So, we're excited about doing that. We're most excited about um, entering entering into something with Parish that we can help to create, to implement, and measure, yep. so that at some point we can find the positive outcomes from that and share it in a broader to, with a broader community as a, a new way of looking at education and mental health. Yeah, you mentioned earlier this notion of demystification. I think that's another big piece of this um, uh, of this partnership, which is to bring to our parents and our students mm-hmm. uh, a demystification that the stress and anxiety that they're feeling is uh, somehow makes them weak or lesser than or are mm-hmm. uh, incapable of future uh, of future success. But I would say, from Parish's standpoint, uh, reimagine as we're phrasing it is is not just about uh, the architecture of school being changed, mm-hmm. and that's that's a that's a tool and a means to an end. You know, mm-hmm. for us, ultimately, we feel by doing that and getting kids uh, connected to more engaging, passion-based learning. We're going to equip them with the skills they need to conquer the complex global society that we refer to in our mission statement. But just as important, I would say, as I, as I talk about it, 
the primary driver for us is, uh, is, to, is to bring to our kids learning that's engaging, that keeps their level of, of, uh, of passion for school high and mm-hmm. takes care of their mental wellness, mm-hmm. right? That mm-hmm. this notion of, of sort of running this rat race of the school experience, stacking AP upon AP to get the next GPA mark, to get the transcript built, to get into these one of these top 50 schools or else I'm a failure, mm-hmm. is, uh, is removed from the conversation and the culture. And we can get down to thinking about who are you authentically, right? What has God placed you here to do in this world? Mm-hmm. How are you going to change it and impact it for the better? Mm-hmm. What is it that you want to explore? You know, these elements of this kind of creative piece. So we think we need your partnership to, uh, to, to, to help round out the work we're doing on the academic side with the type of programming for our educators, for our parents, for our kids uh, that says, to your point, uh, your mental wellness is as important as your mental capacity or your intellectual capacity, mm-hmm. right? And as right. is, is important as your physical vitality. Um, and so I think that's what I, that's what we think Centered will do. And, you know, we always like to think ambitiously and boldly, too. So, you know, if this becomes replicable and, uh, and exportable and scalable to other school communities, fantastic. We've got a lot of work to do in the meantime, figuring out what plans we're going to put into place to, um, to, to impact our kids. Exactly. You know, what we're really talking about here is culture change. Right. It's not, as you said, it's not changing the structure, it's changing the mindset. Yep. And the culture change has to start with not with just educating young people, which we do a lot of, about their own brain health and mental and emotional health, but all the adults in their lives. Yep. Teachers, faculty, everyone who has a touch point in students' lives so that they, and parents so that they all understand what the real goals are here and what changes they need to make. To make, to say to, and demonstrate to students it is okay to reach out for help, mm-hmm. and it's okay to essentially say, I'm not okay, yeah. I need help. Yeah, we're walking a fine line here because this is not about, as I think some might contend in our community, this notion of reimagining the architecture gets people nervous, right? Because the analog architecture has delivered a lot of us mm-hmm. to a life of, of, of means mm-hmm. and generally life of happiness. Though if you look at uh, the Purdue Gallup survey, most people are completely detached from meaning in their work. Right? There's an article just this past Friday in the New York Times about the most popular class at Yale. Over a thousand students, a quarter of Yale's graduates, taking a course on the psychology of the good life and happiness. Mm-hmm. Right? And so as I tweeted out, uh, and you can see it on my t- Twitter feed, what is that telling us? That these students that have essentially taken the flogging of the academic system up to this point mm-hmm. are getting to Yale, and the course they most want to take is to how to break the habits right. that got them to Yale in the first place. Right, and so you know, I'm I'm waiting for um, the, the the groundswell in communities like ours, educated, achievement-oriented communities like North Dallas, to say, you know, we need to have a broader conversation mm-hmm. about the messages, explicit and implicit, that we're sending our kids mm-hmm. when what we're focusing on almost entirely is what they're what they're achieving. Mm-hmm. Let's start talking about what they're contributing. Mm-hmm. Let's start talking about their wholeness. Mm-hmm. Let's start talking about their journey to uh, d- you know really discover again where that authentic self is going to contribute to the world. So, you know, if you're talking in sort of uh, in- inspiring language about our hope for centered, um, I think that's where it's um, where it is at its at its crux. So, let's talk a little bit about the features of centered as in any new, any new endeavor, there's ambiguity, right? There's mm-hmm. hope and optimism and possibility, but um, we certainly uh, see some uh, kind of buckets of services, right, for our students, mm-hmm. for faculty and staff, indeed for parents. Mm-hmm. So as you think about the services that your organization is already providing in those spaces, um, tell us a little bit about um, the types of programming you could see bringing to the, to the partnership. Right. Well, you know, first and foremost, I think, <coughs> is, is this generation, the students themselves, 
is teaching them to look out for their own emotional health the same way that they look out for areas of success in other areas right. of their lives. And so, you know, coming into the schools, we're in the schools so much. We, we reached and trained over 31,000 students mm -hmm. and teachers and parents last year, but most of those are once a year, one hour. Right. And that is not enough to yep. effect a culture change, not by a long shot. Yep. It's a start. It starts the conversation, but this is so much going to be so much more effective, and it's going to permeate the lives and the, and the uh, community and the culture. I think. Uh, so that so would look like your team really partnering with our social emotional counters in each division to think about in our lower school programming in our homerooms, in our right. middle and upper school programming through our advisory uh, program, mm -hmm. uh, and, and where where this type of content can be brought and put in front of our students. Uh, in the form of support groups, in the form of curriculum, uh, and to really begin this process of, of focusing on uh, focusing on wellness, uh, you've mentioned the training of faculty, uh, faculty. and teachers across the uh, mm -hmm. across the area. It's a mm -hmm. huge number that you've already already reached. So we would certainly be able to do that um, as well. Let's talk a little bit about parents and the work that you have. I know you do uh, work with moms, work with dads in, in different groups. So talk a little bit about the the type of work we might see built we into do. the center. We do. We have we have some things that people <coughs> could take advantage. Parents could take advantage of our conferences. Uh, we have three conferences a year and uh, they're meant for mental health professionals, mm -hmm. but as, as a parent of a teen myself, I would have given anything to have been able to sit in on those conferences and learn what they're learning. Right. There's so much to learn. Yep. So parents, the, the thing with parents is they're the vanguards of their children's health, but they also sometimes are the barrier to a child getting help. Yep. Um, if I could tell a really brief story, uh, recently a mom called us who had been to one of our conferences and uh, she had picked up her daughter at a concert, and it was an Imagine Dragons concert mm -hmm. whose lead singer has just come out about his own depression mm -hmm. and really, in his concerts, appeals to the audiences to talk about it and to get help if mm -hmm. you need it. She picked up her middle schooler from that concert, and the little girl got in the car, little girl. <laughs> the middle schooler got in the car and said, Mom, she told him all about the concert, what the, what the leader said, and she said, Mom, I am depressed and I do need mm -hmm. help. And the mom said, we'll get you some help. Monday morning, I'll make the calls wow. and get you some help. Yeah. But this is an example of the parent who could have said, and statistically might probably have said, it's just a phase. Yeah. You just, you're impressionable and you heard what right. that celebrity was saying. Now yep. you think you're depressed. And they don't mean to be, but they would no more say, your throat's not really sore. Your fever's not really 104. It's yeah. just a phase. Yeah. Let's see if it goes away. Yep. But we do that. Uh, uh, without thinking about it with, with mental health. So Absolutely. you've got to educate the parents so that they recognize, yeah. take it seriously, and are committed to safeguarding their children's emotional health as, and mental health as well as everything. Yeah, and I, I even like the notion of, of really support groups. I mean, look, I've got three boys, you, you've got your, your children, we walk this walk, right? It, mm -hmm. it sounds easy to say you can get educated on this, but in reality, you've got to have conversation around it mm -hmm. because you know, we've got a, a we've got high achieving parents uh, of our 1,136 students. Mm -hmm. I'm a high achieving parent of my three boys, and modulating mm -hmm. this conversation around achievement and wellness, th this is not easy. Right. Each of your kids is different, and we all want our kids to to fulfill their potential, right? And so I understand uh, the tension and anxiety hearing me talk about rebuilding the architecture of school, or or to a certain degree de-emphasizing a fixation on achievement. I understand the anxiety that creates for a parent who's talking about uh, perhaps uh, governing their child's capacity to achieve. Like this is not easy. Mm -hmm. It's much easier to sit down in a group of parents and really talk through what this looks and feels like. And I think mm -hmm. through Centered, 
you know, we plan to offer some sessions where uh, parents can come in and maybe not get uh, answers, mm -hmm. but be able to walk the walk the walk and talk the talk with some folks who are trying to figure out um, how they're working on it in their in, in their in their own homes. So um, we're going to get to work on this partnership in earnest next fall, but we have some events uh, that are coming up this spring. Uh, some things, in fact, that we've um, done in the past together. For example, mm -hmm. your team is coming out to our Wellness Week, uh, wellness week. starting next week. It's mm -hmm. the week of um, uh, the week of February third. For mm -hmm. those that are that are listening or, or watching here, and um, you know, Sierra and, and your your uh, team of program uh, folks will be out uh, working through our Wellness Week next week. Uh, we have essentially a, a formal kickoff of Centered in April, April 12th. Right. We're uh, bringing Julie Lightcott Hames, uh, former Stanford Dean, present uh, author of How to Raise an Adult. It's one of the most popular TED Talks um, out there right now that uh, the audience can go and, and watch. And I think very adroitly uh, and with great experience from, uh, you know, a, again, a place of, of uh, indisputable significance as an academic institution in Stanford, can really talk about the fact that what is landing on our college campuses now are a lot of broken young people, mm -hmm. really brilliant young people, mm -hmm. right? really accomplished young people, mm -hmm. but a lot of broken young people. Mm -hmm. And her message is going to be a strong one, I think, to commend the work that we're doing, uh, saying that uh, achievement modulated against uh, realistic expectations and, and a true focus on authenticity and, uh, and, and wholeness mm -hmm. is, uh, is, is necessary. So that'll be April 12th. It'll be um, you know, on the parish campus, and we're looking forward to the kickoff of Centered uh, with that event as well. And then I know your team's coming back out to speak to our seniors yes. uh, in, uh, in May as part mm -hmm. of the Parish Bridge, uh, parish bridge experience. So we, uh, we'll look forward to that, and thank we you for that. We look forward to that, too. We're really excited about this whole <coughs> launch. This whole spring launch is going to be great. And, and as we go down the road next year, you know, we have plans for more uh, trainings, more education, continuing conversations with um, all, all constituents in the programs. Most definitely. So uh, thanks for joining uh, me today and, and talking through this with us. And uh, of course, you and your team for joining the parish team and in, in, uh, conceptualizing Centered and beginning to roll it out. We look forward to sharing more information with our community about this as it takes, uh, as it takes form. So thanks for being with us. I hope you've enjoyed the conversation. Thanks again for listening. Look forward to future editions of this podcast, which will feature my speaking to the community in the chapel space, some of my writing, and also, as in this edition, my visits to colleges and universities during this school year. 